0: I'm finding different cultures, you know, not only within our own country, but around it's hidden and it's it's coming out more. But that just really surprised me yesterday that this young filmmaker, smart woman from Ukraine yesterday said, oh, we don't have that in our country. So it's hidden in Russia. It's hidden in Ukraine.
1: Yeah. Certain
0: parts of the country is we don't have that.
1: There's no way around it, caring for a loved one with dementia is not for the faint of heart. We don't know what we don't know, and often families focus so much on the person with dementia that they forget to keep their eyes on the family member managing care, which can be catastrophic.
2: In this podcast, we'll help you become more proactive and remind you to focus on yourself. We will share challenges and wins and guidance from professionals at every step in the journey of caring for a loved one with Alzheimer's and other dementias. Welcome to the Eye on a Caregiver podcast.
1: We are so happy to have Dana Steele with us today. Dana is author of Surviving Alzheimer's with Friends, Facebook, and a Really Big Glass of Wine, and the one-woman play, The Woman in the Mirror. Welcome, Dana.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: We're thrilled. We're thrilled. Before we dive into your book and caregiving story, you have such an interesting and awesome career. So tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: I used to be cool. That is the very short (laughs) version of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am in the Rock Radio Hall of Fame. Very proud of that. I was a rock and roll DJ for almost 25 years, um, almost the entire time in my hometown of Houston, Texas. And it was an incredible incredible experience. I'm married to a former NASA pilot, maybe saw the 747 with the shuttle on top. He was the the captain of that and trained all the astronauts to uh, land the space shuttle. Uh, We have three sons and a bonus daughter, and we are currently on the road for one year. We rented our house, and we are living out of a Ford Flex with two bikes, two sets of hiking gear, and two golf clubs. And Going wherever someone says, you know, those people that say to you, come see me sometime. We're the ones who actually show up. <laughs> we'll be there Tuesday. Can we spend the night and can we do some laundry?
2: It's like, be careful what you offer, right? Because you actually may show up.
0: Oh, I found out a friend has a house in Italy. I am so there.
1: <laughs> you are all in.
0: So that's pretty much my, uh, my life in a nutshell. But my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in, um, in March of 2013, totally floored, had you know, think of myself as an intelligent, well-read, well-traveled person. And uh, you know, nobody talks about it. I've, I think maybe we talk about it more than we used to, but even just those 10 short years ago, uh, it'll be, yeah, it'll be 10 years next week. Um, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to start. I didn't, I, after I told You know, six people, husband, sons, uncle, brother, I just couldn't keep saying mom has Alzheimer's. It was tearing me to pieces. I was scared. I didn't know what that meant, but I knew my life was getting ready to change. And so I just posted it on Facebook and I got up the next morning and there were hundreds of comments, my aunt, my uncle, my mom, my dad, my wife, my husband. I I was just overwhelmed. And, And so for the next two and a half years, that became my therapy group. And, um, you know, and through all of that, uh, not a week goes by that I don't hear from either a friend or a complete stranger on so-and-so said I should call you. What do I do? People still don't know what to do. And I mean, thank goodness for foundations like yours. Um, And that's what I'm trying to do is just teach people as much as I can, that it's okay to laugh that they're going to forget to swallow that you better have your legal and medical and and financial affairs in order. Just, I mean, you know, you've been through it. It's the, it's the avalanche. I just wrote a new line for the play and it's, I'm trying to control chaos and you can't control chaos. And that's what it was. It's chaos coming at you from all directions.
2: It kind, kind of reminds of, me of Jurassic Park, right? When Jeff Bloom, Joel Goldblum, you know, you, you can't control nature. Nature will find a way. Like chaos will find a way.
0: Yeah. And every time I thought I had it under control, oh, man, I got this. I'm going to organize this. Like, I, you know, I am the queen of organization. I will have this down. You know, Alzheimer's would throw me another, you know, my mom would say, make those clouds go away. And I was like, what? Oh, my God. <laughs> she's serious. She's said. okay. I mean, stuff like that, that you just go, or the, you know, you're warned and you're warned and you're warned. And then the first time mom said, (laughs) I'm sorry, what's your name again? It was just so matter of fact, I was like, I I probably cried and freaked out later, but it was just so, I was like, Dana, my name's Dana. She was like, oh, okay. Oh yeah. Nice to meet you, Dana. (laughs) That's what she said to everything. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
2: Well, that was like my grandmother when, when, so we've been through this twice, uh, first with my grandmother, and uh, she actually lived with us when I was in college, and I lived at home at the time, and she lived in my room, and every morning she'd come down, she was like, oh, who are you? I'm like, I'm I'm your grandson. Oh, okay, what's your name? And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, you're staying in my room, like you're literally sleeping in my bed. I'm 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 on the couch in the den because of you, and you can't (laughs) remember my name
0: my brother in-law is a is a neurologist in Naples, Florida, and he's just started an Alzheimer's research wing to what he's doing because he really wants to find a cause and a cure. And I finally sat him down and said, "You know willie, why I, I I was the perfect daughter. I was straight A's, you know, made a living, became famous. I you know, don't ever tell my brother I said this, but I was the favorite. you know, why did she forget me and not him? and you know, it's such a great explanation that I wish I could tell the whole world so they didn't feel bad when their mom or your grandmother or whatever. He said, because you took up so little space in her brain, you always did your homework. You always followed the rules. You graduated early. You went to college. You made a success of yourself. You took care of everything. Your brother was, I'm not going to use the word he used, but he goes from the day your brother was born, he was trouble. So you took up very little space in her brain. She knew she didn't have to worry about you, whereas your brother took up her entire brain. And I was like, wow, that made me feel so much better. Why could you have not told me this nine years ago?
2: Yeah, it's, it's so interesting, too, right? And I, I hear what you're saying, because what's really interesting about this, and it's with, with everything in life, right, is that you can explain this to people, right, but they can't understand until they go through it, you know, and- You know, you can try to explain to someone what it's like to raise kids, you know, but until you're, you know, not getting any sleep at night, you know, they say, well, just be prepared. You know, you're not going to be able to sleep. You're not going to be able to do this. You're not going to be able to do that. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, I understand. And then until it's like three o'clock in the morning and you haven't slept in three days, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Or you haven't slept
0: in 21 years. And then finally, (laughs) you go, (laughs) oh, wow.
2: And I always love it too, when they say, well, you know, your kids are, you know, they're off the, they're off the, uh, they're off the dole, you know, when they graduate college. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't work that way either. (laughs) It does not work that way. But, um, yeah, you know, I think for us, right. You know, we just, you know, we've had some, we've had a number of conversations, you know, before this podcast and we were super excited to have you on. And, you know, we're part of this club that we never wanted to join, you know, and, um, and there's. You know, I don't know what the stats are, but the last stat I heard is, you know, like through 2020, there's 11 million people out there providing unpaired, uh, unpaid care to somebody with dementia and nobody asked for this, right? Right, um, right. And, it, and it's probably higher than that, to be honest. I, I, I mean, nobody really knows, right? Because a lot of times, and we find this in our community- you know, people become somewhat insulated and, and isolated and they self-isolate because they're so focused on that. And that's what we try to do. Well, and people
0: them. are also, there's still a stigma. I was speaking with a young woman who escaped from Ukraine eight months ago and she, she's like, oh, we don't have that in our country. Or the, the, young, <laughs> the young black actor that starred with me in the first iteration of the play, he was like, oh my God, now that I've done this play, I realized my grandmother probably had Alzheimer's, but the black community is really, it's a stigma. So we're trying to educate, you know, the African-American black community as well, um, that it's, it's OK because people get embarrassed by what grandma or grandpa does or mom or dad does. So I'm finding different cultures, you know, not only within our own country, but around it's hidden and it's, it's coming out more. But it, that, that just really surprised me yesterday that this young filmmaker, smart woman from Ukraine yesterday said, oh, we don't have that in our country. So it's hidden in Russia. It's hidden in Ukraine.
2: Yeah. Certain
0: parts of the country is, we don't have that, you know, and it's like, yeah, you do. <laughs> it's everywhere. Yeah.
2: And I, and I think you find that with a lot of social things, right. Where, you know, a lot, of, a lot of cultures like, Oh, we don't have those. Like, yeah, you do. You just don't, you guys just don't want to talk about it. And, you know, I think the, the thing that's most interesting, like I, I really want to talk to you today about and, and how you kind of navigate it through your journey because it's really so similar to Michelle and I, I mean, except for the social media aspect of it, I'm not really big into social media, but one aspect that you really talked about was just laughing. Right. And, and Michelle and I talk about this all the time, like during, you know, really keep, you know, down parts of, of our journey with our dad. um, We just found ourselves laughing like almost like, I don't know if it was therapy or just, the ridiculousness of the whole thing and and us basically like we have absolutely no idea what we're doing like we don't have answers to anything and at some point we would just laugh because it was just but we tend to do that a lot <laughs> you know like you know one of us like it gets injured the other one's on the phone just kind of laughing i'm like <laughs> yeah you're not laughing with you, never, you. I'm, but... I'm laughing and i'm laughing with you because it's just so ridiculous like well, that, laughter you know, is happening.
0: very cathartic you'll read story after story of somebody who's You know, in the hospital with cancer, and they bring them um, humorous movies, funny comedies, and it really helps with the recovery. Uh, The first time I laughed, I posted on Facebook. I was crying. What's wrong with me? Oh my god! I laughed at my mother, Mm -hmm. and that's where the tagline for the play came from: "Is if you don't laugh, you'll cry, and it's okay." One of my favorite stories: um, This woman said she went to visit her grandmother in a in assisted living, and she walked in, and Nana was watching hardcore. Porn. I mean, they were going at it.
2: Do like you know, and you
0: want to be really careful what you say because you don't want to send Nana over the edge. You don't know what which Nana you're getting today. And I, I guess, do they go to commercials in porn? I don't know. But there was a break in the action, so to speak, and Nana turned around and went. They have never done this on the Young and the Restless before.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you have to laugh. We changed the channel and, you know, as far as we know, Nana never watched porn again. But my mom started stealing um, uh, walkers out of everyone's room. We came into her room. She had like 20 walkers. She was like an elderly car thief. I'm like, what? We have to put all these back. You can't take people's walkers. We still don't know why she did it. But it was funny. And, I mean, we've got to laugh or you will cry and you have to have that release. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, things are funny.
1: I mean, truth, truly, I feel such a connection with you and reading your book. I, I was laughing like laughing out loud and I think part of it was because I have all these it makes me think of the funny stories that we had too that maybe we didn't talk about because we felt a little bad about how funny we found it Um, but one thing in particular is you mentioned in your book was a conversation about your mom where you you were telling her that she had dementia you know and it was just a you were struggling with something and you're like well mom you know, you have dementia. And she looked at you with totally straight face and goes, "Wait, what? I really? I have dementia? Oh yeah, that's." I what just I started laughing so hard because yeah. I had a similar similar conversation with my dad, and you know, he <laughs> he they have just this innocence. You know, the innocence and the straight face and like, wait, what? And it wasn't him joking saying oh, well, I have big problems. He would never say dementia. He would just say big problems. Like, I have big problems. Because he knew mom what it thought meant. it was the
0: funniest thing she'd ever heard. She was like, now, now, why am I in this place? I'm like, mom, because you have dementia. And I got to make sure you're taken care of. And she looked at me and she smiled and she started laughing. She went, I have dementia? Dementia? I could just hear her saying things. it. And then she went, oh, well. And then off she went, you know tuttering along on her to walker, steal more to stroll, steal walkers, to steal, steal more
2: walkers. Steal oh, more walkers. Oh
0: well. So,
2: so let's talk a little bit about you know like your therapy, your therapeutic journey, like because you were you were big into social media when I mentioned that before. So let's talk a little bit about that because that's like literally the basis of your book. And um, I'd love to kind of hear why you did it, um, what you got out of it, and um, you know just kind of your overall you know value of of doing that.
0: When people ask me, "Do you miss radio?" It's like, yeah, you know, it was a lot of fun. It was a great time, but I moved on. What I miss is, you know, my mom, Fran Nicholson, took care of everybody. She cooked for everybody on the street. Everybody ran away to our house. She was, you know, she just loved people, and I come by it honestly. And I think that's one of the things I loved about being on the radio. Yes, it was fun hanging out with John Bon Jovi and you know the Rolling Stones and whatever, but it was that that instant. Hey, I got a pair of Van Halen tickets. Hey, I know a concert that's coming next week, and I'm going to tell you before anybody. Hey, we just had a police officer killed in the line of duty. We need to raise $300,000 by 5 o'clock this afternoon for his widow. Can you help? It was that instant. And, And with the onset of social media, social media just became another broadcast medium for me. I love seeing everybody's pictures. I love sharing our, you know, our journey around the country for a year. But I also, people know they can reach out to me and say, you know, I need a such and such. Can you make, I love introducing people and putting people together. So I originally posted, like I said earlier, that mom had Alzheimer's because I, mom knows everybody. We, we don't collect things or figurines or Spoons, we collect people. And so there were another 100, 200 people I needed to call, and I was going to have a breakdown saying, Mom, having to tell, you know, having to say it over and over again about the diagnosis. So I just posted it on Facebook. It was really a chicken's way out because I thought, I have thousands of followers. If it's not my mom's friends, it's their daughters, whatever. Word's going to get out. I'm not going to have to call everybody. And that's when I realized nobody talks about it. We all started sharing when I would laugh or I would cry or, you know, one of the lowest parts of my journey is when I walked in and found my unbelievably creative mom coloring in a coloring book, a squirrel blue outside the lines that literally sent me over the edge. And my post that day was F word, F word, F word. I can't do this anymore. And immediately people were like, Yes, you can. And friends who had my phone number or my address were at my house going, this takes a village. This takes, you know, it, 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 it takes a partner who understands you may not want to have sex for months. Nobody feels sexy when this is happening. It, it tears your kids apart because every time they come in, I'm crying. My kid one night blurted out, the 12-year-old, all you do is cry all the time. And then he felt bad. So I found social media to be a therapy group. I didn't have time to drive to. It was right there on my laptop in front of me. Anytime I was like, how do I get her to drink water? How do I get her to eat? Oh my God, I need to move her again because she's hitting the man in the living room with peanut M&Ms off his head. You know, <laughs> you know stuff like that. So I found, you know, social media can be a cesspool. I ran for Congress. I still, I ever get up every morning and check my death threats, seriously. But it can also be the most amazing support group if you just ask. Um, don't be afraid to say, I feel bad. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. Because for the most part, human beings are good. You know, they're just not all trolls and a mess on social media. And people like to help each other. So that's what I learned is not only could I help people by talking about this, um, somebody said, a neighbor said to me once, I can't believe how honest you are, how awful that you are exposing your mother like this. And I'm like, are you kidding? My mother would have absolutely loved to know that she has now helped thousands of people at this point through this journey. And when she died, I, I thought I just can't let this go. I there's too many people who need me. There's too many people who need her story and that's when it started, you know, to become a book and thank goodness I had a friend step up because I tried to go through all the Facebook posts and it was too soon. It was too hard. So it was a friend who actually started helping me compile the funniest, the most informative, the 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 most poignant post and comments that we thought would help other people. Did I expect to come, become an Alzheimer's expert and caregiver support group? You know, what, seven, eight years now after my mom's death? No. But, you know, most authors would kill to have a book that's still relevant seven years later. I want nothing more than for my book to no longer be relevant, for my play to no longer be relevant. And it's not because we don't have a cause, we don't have a cure, we don't have funding and people still don't know where the hell to start when they hear the words, the person you love probably has Alzheimer's. So that's the answer to your question.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's amazing because like I said, I'm not on social media a lot and I think you know, for me, the problem I find is is that I do find it kind of very negative, like the cesspool side of things. And I also find it very self-promotional, right? And I know people who are posting things that I'm just like, I know what's going on in the backstory and that's just not matching up. But this idea of just putting yourself out there as, you know, and just being honest about who you are, I think that's incredibly brave thing to do. Right. And- well, it's
0: also the key to success on social media. I mean, I've done marketing and promotion for all kinds of people the last 10 years. And you know, the, the one thing I hate more than anything is when a client says, I need something to go viral. Well, it's like, I need you to care. Uh, social media is not about self-promotion. Social media is about being social and talking to each other. You know, how's your trip? How's your kid? Oh my God, I love your new dress. I think the dress is blue. Whatever. It's you're supposed to be social. I have a friend who just released a book and all she posts every single day is buy my book, buy my book, look at me, look at my life, buy my book. And the book has stopped selling. You can't do that. You got to help people. You got to, you either have to help people, inform people or entertain people on social media, or you're not using it correctly.
1: I love that. And I completely agree. I think, you know, your book does, and, and everything that you've done, you know, you provide so many important lessons to people. I tend to focus on the, the, like giving myself permission to laugh and kind of laugh at it because I feel like I could do that with Sean, but I, I really don't even think I could do it with my kids because they would get offended and they're like, that's not very nice. Like we joked around, you know the, there was a guy. Uh, I don't know in the past ten years, it created a social media account called like "shit my mom says" or "shit my dad says." He a whole book. I, I'm sorry, I don't know. That. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it because I'm like, you know, you're. It's not disrespectful. It's, it's like the reality, and if you don't laugh about it, you know, you you will. Cry and it and those cry crying is it's not just like I'm going to get a good cry, you're going to go into a deep dark hole, or you have the possibility of going into this deep dark hole if you don't try to find the silver lining in not just dementia and caregiving, but in life in general. You know, our brain goes to the negative, like that's just what happens, and so you know, uh, you. I'm going to tell you a story about our dad just so we can kind of laugh together. And then I, I want you to tell a story that I read about because I literally spit my drink out. It was so funny. <laughs> um, but my dad would, you know, we would take him to adult daycare every day, which that's another thing we didn't even know existed. Like, yeah, it was, and there
0: was nothing you know, for me like that. No,
1: there was. And, and we happened to have a really, really good one, you know, and he never wanted to go and he always made up excuses, but he went and he had fun every time and they did all kinds of activities. And one one of the things he did was play hangman. Funniest thing I've ever seen is a 15 adult with dementia, varying levels playing hangman. So they had a big like post-it note thing and they had the hangman set up and all the letters were there and they would cross off the letters. And in the group of people, you had people like my dad, who was very, very progressed in the disease. He was still up and dressed and laughing, but he, yeah, he was, he was on the downhill for sure. Then you have people who were like in the earlier stages and some people, and some people are in the combative nastiness, you know, and it was a mix of everyone. They're playing hangman. They get around to my dad and they're like, okay, Frank, pick a letter. And every time they would say, pick a letter, one woman in the group would shout out the answer and it would create (laughs) this whole thing. Like she would say like sailboat, And then someone would be like, you're not allowed to say the answer. Don't say the answer. And this, like, argument would ensue every single time it was someone's turn. And they get to my dad, and they're like, okay, Frank, it's your turn. Like, pick a letter. And he's like, okay, pick a letter. And he looks, and they're like, these letters have already been used. And he's like, okay, okay. Seven. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: and then everybody gets mad and like they're so patient but the woman who knows the answer goes it's not a seven it's sailboat and she's like you're not allowed to give away the answer and he's just sitting there and he's like oh oh and they're like frank you have to pick a letter not a number and he's like oh oh okay a letter okay frank what's your letter he goes seven and this just went round and round and round and And you have to
0: laugh at that you have
1: to laugh about it because it otherwise it will just you know here's this brilliant man spoke fluent russian traveled the world you know great like such a great life story And he doesn't even know, like, how to say a letter of the alphabet. Again, make those clouds
0: go away. What?
1: And it did. It just, like, I came home, I laughed about it. And that takes me to this part. Like, can you tell the Chick-fil-A story? Thanks for listening to part one of our conversation with Dana Steele. Make sure to listen next week for part two. Thanks for listening. For more resources and information, visit winwardfoundation.org.